Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there, my very good friends. Andy H. Murray here for What Culture, joined by my very good friend, Andrew Pollard, for this double review it's AEW Rampage and Battle of the Belts from last week. The first in a trio of shows that you will hear from this exact combination today. Before we dive in, just want to let you know, get some housekeeping out of the way. If you're wondering where the Dream Team is, that is Adam and the Dadly Boys, of course, uh, they're not here. Uh, <laughs> that's why you've got us instead. We'll be doing this show. We'll be doing the SmackDown review from last week. And of course, tonight's Raw preview so don't worry, we've got everything covered. Hamlet and Wilborn, I believe, are away for the whole week. I think Sidgwick is back tomorrow. So who the heck knows what your lineups are going to be for the rest of the week, but we will figure it out. Anyway, if you're a fan of this kind of stuff, if you are a fan of our unique brand of pro wrestling nonsense, you can find us Spotify, Apple, just about anywhere you get your podcast from. We do previews, reviews, roundtable discussions. Adam Wilburn is a lot better at this than me, but we do interviews, a bunch more, mostly AEW and WWE, but sometimes we do dip into the wider world of wrestling as a whole. Anyway, AEW Rampage, we'll start with Rampage because obviously that came before Battle of the Belts, uh, the 5th of August, 2022. Before we dive in segment by segment, Mr. Pollard, your overall thoughts on the show? How do you feel about it? Um, it was it was rampage. Uh, this is I'm not going to go into the song almost there. It felt like, but uh, I, I, it's there's so often with rampage when you come out of the show, it's like it was there. It was all right. There was nothing too offensive on it. There was nothing that majorly stood out. It was an, not to get ahead of myself. It was great to see my boy Josh Woods on TV. Uh, and there was one particular cell that I absolutely loved. But yeah, it was it was okay. It was fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo those statements. Uh, a light and breezy, easy hour of television, which is kind of a weird thing to say, considering the uh, style of match that opened this show. Uh, so kicking this week's episode off, we had the world title eliminator match between John Moxley and a debuting, well, on TV debuting Mance Warner. They gave him the, the heat up match on Dark Elevation the night before. So this kind of came about. I guess, so Mance Warner's the guy who's been linked with AEW basically for about two years now. Um, there were reports that they wanted to bring him in and use him for various spots. Mance, I think he suffered a leg break during the pandemic, which would have obviously held things up to a degree, but they finally got him through the door here for this match. They kind of used the Ric Flair's last match battle royal thing um, as a way of, of facilitating this. And as an excuse, I guess, to bring him in and give him the world title eliminator match. Um, so whether you're a fan of that sort of booking or not is in the eye of the beholder. But that's the way, that's the pathway they chose. He beat someone on Dark Elevation. He had a wee promo that they showed here that was 
typical old monster stuff, the pay window, all that, all that. If you know this character, you 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 and if you didn't know this character, you'd have probably got quite a strong feel for him because he's very, very distinct. He's kind of like a like an old school territory style heel, time warped into the future. And here he is. And the match was just about what you'd expect it to be. Uh, if you're going to sit there and list moves that happened in this match, you could probably use two fingers. Uh, it was punches, it was bites, it was kicks, it was chops, and everything in between. Lots of environmental use, lots of getting beaten up on the outside. Blood. Of course, it was two hard-nosed, tough dudes being hard-nosed, tough dudes getting each in each other's faces, blooding each other up. It's not everyone's style of wrestling, but boy, is it my style of wrestling across the board. John Moxley ends up picking up the win in about 11 minutes. Uh, and it was just a, an ugly, brutal finish, typical of the match itself, really. Uh, there was a bit where they were both down on the mat, but Moxley was able to put Warner in an arm lock. Uh, he trapped him as the Blackpool Combat Club are known to do. Kicked him in the face multiple times. Hit the pile driver. Choke for the victory, for the submission, for the referee stoppage, whatever you want to call it. Um, an atypical kind of match for an AEW show. Well, not necessarily when John's involved, but from a guy who in his pre-match promo was talking about barbed wire and bleeding and stuff, you kind of knew what you were getting in for here. Uh, what did you think of this, Andrew, as a whole? Uh, yeah, it was fine. I, I don't think I was quite as high, high on it as you, but I, I enjoyed parts of it. I, I do like Mans Warner. Uh, first seeing a guy in MLW, old Mansa. Uh, I just, I, I like, he's, he's got that very much the everyman stick, the, the, the blue collar redneck who just likes to fight and drink beer, which, hey, we all do, um, <laughs> especially behind keyboards, clearly. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you've seen Mans Warner before, you knew what you were going to get. If you haven't seen Mans Warner before, for better or for worse, this was a prime example of what, what Mance Warner brings to the table. If, if you like it, this is him. If you don't like it, this is him. Um, and I think it was, it was never in doubt that Moxie was going to get the win. Uh, and it's it's nice to see old Mansa on, on the big-time TV again. And, I mean, I say that like MLW was big-time TV. No offence to MLW. It was not. But it was fun to see him in MLW back in the day. But I, I just, I'm interested now to see if this leads to some more shots down the line for, for, for Mance Warner. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to follow. Um, the, the guy's a re he's a really interesting case because he's primarily worked for GCW over the past year or so. He's an indie guy, obviously, but he's a fantastic promo. He's a great talker. It's, it really is a throwback kind of gimmick that he has here. But, you know, there's a touch of Stone Cold Steve Austin to the way he delivers his words. And uh, when he calls himself a Southern psychopath, that's his gimmick. You kind of believe him. <laughs> and then when you watch him wrestle, it kind of all marries up. This style isn't to everyone's taste. A lot of people will prefer the flashier, more technical style of wrestling. Um, you know, the, the spot heavy style that AEW purveys a lot as well. Um, Mance is a different flavor. He does fit that kind of Moxley category, not necessarily in like a back Blackpool Combat Club sense, but in a just a dirty ass disgusting brawler sense um it's it's hard my stuff i think that you're absolutely right look if you're not into this stuff this would have done absolutely nothing to sway your minds but if you're like me and you're a mark for just tough guys punching each other in the mouth it would be good to, uh you'd probably got a lot out of it i think thinking about future roles going forward maybe he's someone they'll look to 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 utilize a bit on ring of honor i think he'd be a good fit down there i'd love to see yeah. him mixing it up with the briscoes in particular um cool. Him, him and Jay cutting promos yeah. on one another would be an absolute joy. But yeah, I think it's yeah, I think he's someone they've wanted to use for a while. And hey, they found a way here. He's wrestling John Moxley. For me, John Moxley's the wrestler of the year so far. 
It's kind of an easy win, really. You like you're not gonna have a stinky ass match with John Moxley at the moment, so pretty decent, pretty decent first night for old Mansur, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think Regal summed it up before the action really got going. I think it was maybe a minute in, or it might even have been just while they were making their entrances and obviously brawling, where he said, "Oh, I like this. This is just going to be fists, feet, and heads." And it's like, yeah, that was exactly what it was, pretty much. Um, and a, a couple of uh, bloody faces by the end of it. Yeah, it's how it is, and you know the the cliche. Oh, this isn't going to be a match. It's going to be a fight. It's really easy to roll your eyes at that. But then when a match like this plays out, it kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense. Um, so from this match, we pivoted backstage and Lexi Nair is backstage where Ricky Starks. He's approached by QT Marshall and the factory. There's kind of a nice, there's a nod for the dorks in us here. Yes. Uh, when Aaron yes. Solo and Ricky Starks, former partners and extra talented, you know, they have a bit of back and forth. Aaron's like, hey, join, join, join the, join the factory, brother. Join us up. Uh, that's QT Marshall's diatribe as well. Ricky Starks, of course, he's big time babyface now. He's like, hell no, get lost. He walks away. Anthony Agogo, friend of the channel, gets a little bit fired up, hinting well, at stuff. Ricky Starks, come. friend of the channel, Ricky Starks. Of well. course, oh, how, how of could course, I forget friend of the channel, Ricky Starks. He's been on several times with your good self. Uh, yes. So they appear to be setting something up here. You'd imagine, I I, I will say before we kind of move on with the show, I, I'm enjoying Nick Comarotto's weird new look. He's had a shave. He's got a hat for some reason. Okay, sure. <laughs> Let's go. I, it, it took me a second. Cause obviously, it's, you see QT, you see Solo. And I I was one of those nerds, one of those dogs who's like, are they going to reference it? Are they going to reference it? And then they do. And it's like, ah, oh, there we go. I can be happy. Uh, and then it's like, there's this other, obviously there's a go-go there, but then there's this other figure where it's like, that chest is definitely Nick Comorado's, but is, is that his face? And it's like, he's he's shaving a little bit and he's got a hat yeah. on it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a look, brother. And I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see more of the big man as ever because he's just a fun, airy, strong, sturdy chap to watch. Caveman. He's a caveman. It's uh, That's, you know, the best way to describe him. Um, but yeah, it looks like they're setting up the factory as some kind of roadblock for Ricky's path to the top. We'll see how that manifests. Um, him and Solo, uh, get me back to Wrestle Circus, brother. Let's go. Let's go. Um, moving on, we had a really just blink and you'll miss it squash here. Konosuke Takeshita setting him up for the for the, war, the the Ring of Honor title match the following night. He faced the Hollywood hunk himself, Ryan Nemeth who is good in these these roles as kind of like a goober heel, just getting his ass kicked. 100 miles an hour this match. Takeshita immediately went after him. Uh, he took him down with a shoulder tackle, followed up, kicked him in the face in the corner, hit a bunch of shots from there. Uh, Nemeth came back into it a little bit, but Takeshita hit the blue thunder bomb, followed up with the diving knee for the win, the running knee. Uh, in around about two minutes, it really was a quick, effective, snappy squash. Nice to see them actually using the Junakiyama knee for the finish here because, you know, when, when Takeshita had his first big match with Jay Lethal, they spent a lot talking about it and then it kind of wasn't really a factor. So good to see that getting its due. Quite a clear setup here. Peter Avalon tried to attack Takeshita after the bell and just got geeked out big time, which is always a good time across the boards. Simple, effective, little warm-up. Uh, was it necessary? Probably not, but I had a good time with it, and it took two minutes. Never going to complain about that. Yeah, I think it, it put over the knee as well for what would come the, the following night at Battle of the Belts. Um, but yeah, I, I was a little surprised to see this match at first. Obviously, once you see it was happening, it's like, this is going to be quick, be, only because we knew that ahead of time, Battle of the Belts was being taped that same night after Rampage. So it's like, they, they're not going to have to catch to go out there and do 10 minutes, uh, like a, a back and forth. 
especially with Ryan Nemeth, no, no offence, and then go on to face Claudio, what, uh, an hour and a half later or something. But no, it was it was fine for what it was. Like you said, it was didn't wasn't particularly necessary, but it did give you, uh, I guess, a flavour of Takeshita's um, high spots, his main offence, his, his signature spots, his signature moves ahead of the big match with Claudio uh, the following night. So in that way, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have more in-depth thoughts on Takeshita in just a little bit, of course. Um, but from there, we swung backstage again. Lexi Nair having a busy night here on, on Rampage. Uh, she's with Orange Cassidy and the best friends. They're not feeling particularly great after Dynamite. Uh, Trent said, you know, Chuck said a little bit, we've, you know, we've, we've been struggling a little bit. We're not feeling ourselves. We're not the same. You know, we need to get our act together. Uh, Trent Barretta's conclusion to that was that the best friends are at their best when they stick together. They they suggested entering the trios tournament, uh, put put the fists out to be bumped. Orange Cassidy's a little bit injured. Uh, so up comes Dr. Dan Housen, uh, whose affiliation with the group continues. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd imagine that some combination of this group's going to be factored into that trios tournament, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, I think it is the best friends, Orange Cassidy. And then Dan Housen's just like, around like give me a chance brother sort of thing and yeah which is i'm fine with that dan house on my screen i'm fine with orange cassidy on my screen i'm fine with best friends they're 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 all right with me but to me i do think that maybe the best friends are somebody you look at uh trent and and chucky t is maybe roh bound at some point if and when things happen ring of honor but we'll see but yeah it's fine it's another it's nice to see that they're establishing trios on tv they're lining up because obviously if you looked across that roster there's just like um, no, no exaggeration though. It's you could easily get what 10, 15 just off yeah. the top of your head of, of trios. So uh, yeah, it's good to see them starting to to put the uh, the, the pieces on, on the table so you can see who's going to be involved for these titles. Yeah, absolutely. And even with like last week when we had the Team Taz split and the Undisputed Elite split, there's still a ridiculous amount of combinations, and uh, they will certainly be one of them. Um, we moved on to our penultimate match of the evening. It was a uh, debuting Madison Rain uh, facing Layla Gray of the Baddies. This was set up on Dark Elevation. So if you didn't see that show, um, you might not have caught the full context here. Madison Rain has obviously been brought in as a coach for the women's division, but a player coach, as we've since learned. Uh, she was on commentary on Dark Elevation. And through that, she was accosted by Stokely Hathaway and Jade Cargill afterwards, after the first match, which I believe... Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida was very good. Um, Jade was having none of it when when Maddie stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to challenge you for the TBS title. Of course, their solution to that was, hey, fight Layla Gray. So it kind of plays into that ongoing storyline of Jade not really wanting anything to do with Layla Gray, but here's a convenient situation where she can throw her down as a roadblock and take it from there. But... The match played out. Um, basic, basic, straightforward stuff. You, I mean, you kind of expect that from these participants. Madison Ray is a, a Rain is a very, very good professional wrestler who I've always enjoyed. Uh, Layla Gray is an inexperienced green wrestler. Uh, not a lot of matches under her belt as of yet, but she's here to learn. She's here to grow. This is kind of, for me, it's almost like a, a test run of what Madison Rain's job is going to be. It's going to be to train people like Madison Rain and help uh, to train people like Layla Gray, sorry, and help them get to the next level. So it's quite interesting that here in her very first match, you have two of them going eight, eight-ish minutes or so. Um, things played out. Uh, there was a long kind of three and a half minute break in a minute of this. So while the runtime was about eight minutes, uh, you didn't really see a whole lot of those. And... 
you know, that gutted the thing kind of halfway through. But Madison Rain got the win because, of course, she did. There was some stuff on the outside with Stokely, very amusingly stamping his feet on the steps to cause distractions. And stuff. you'd expect that from the heels. Uh, Layla Gray went for a side slam for a two count towards the end. They fought back and forth all the way there. And Rain hit the cross reins as we're going with. Crossroads, very clever for the pinfall victory. There was a confrontation with Jade after the bell. Uh, she said that this was her show, that bitch show, of course, uh, as she famously christened the TBS championship uh, early on. Uh, so that was a setup for a Kira Hogan attack, uh, attacking Rain from behind. But Maddie got the better of her, accepted Jade's challenge. That is set in stone for Quig by the Lake this week. What a title that is. Um, for me personally, this match didn't really do a whole lot to distinguish it. I mean, the, the, the work was absolutely fine, but it was very much a case of a veteran who's there to coach people kind of guiding a less experienced wrestler through it, which doesn't always make for the most exciting TV. Even if I didn't, you know, I didn't look at this and go, ah, oh, why, why was this on TV or anything over the top? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it served its purpose in a way of introducing Madison Rain to people who may not have seen her. Of course, I think she's a five-time Impact Knockouts champion. Um, she was only, what, two months ago was, was the company's tag team champion with uh, Tenille Dashwood as part of the influence. So this is something that's very legit, got a long history in the business. Uh, I think, what, 17-year pro, 18-year pro, something like that. Uh, and she's a very good wrestler. This wasn't, in terms of if you were looking for a great Madison Rain match, this wasn't necessarily it. But like you said, this is... It was almost like you were seeing her her job role play out, and it was like watching a practice match. You're like, right, I'm going to take this green girl through a, a basic match and just try and get something for TV. And it was it was okay. It was nothing more than that. But the biggest story, obviously, is, is Jade. And, and I thought it was nice to see her get the better of Kira Hogan after the match as well. Just again, making Madison Rain that the wily veteran who who knows what she's been there. She's seen how these things go over time. So yeah, it was fine. I, I think Madison Rain and, and Jade. I think that will be interesting to watch because. Again, while Jade is come on leaps and bounds, just in terms of sheer time in the business, she's very, very new. She's very, very green, which makes it all the more impressive where she is and how she carries herself, how she performs in the ring. And I think with Madison Rain, that's, again, an, another test for, for Maddie to like, right, OK, this is clearly our, our star project in, in waiting. Go and put something on TV with her. And, and, and I don't think there's any danger of Jade Cargill's TBS title reign coming to an end, but it should be. It, it's a match I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good pairing for the reasons you've just you've just gone through there. And I think, uh, yeah, Madison Rain to me seems like a really good appointment. Never hear anything but the best reports of her, like as a professional. And, you know, she's obviously been at this a long time. I think she debuted in like 2005. So she's got that experience. She's, she's still only 36 years old as well. She's got that kind of Serena Deeb factor about her where it feels like she's been around for for ages and ages and yet she's still relatively young in her in wrestling terms so yeah this is this is a really smart appointment across the board i think and i'm looking forward to seeing what what her and jade do together um can only benefit the division going forward because you know there's a lot of talented people in that division for sure uh you know you can talk about the book until the cows come home but there's also a lot of inexperienced people like layla gray like kira hogan like red velvet like jade cargill um that that are waiting to take that next step so you know Adding uh, adding Madison Rain to that crew of trainers that includes the likes of QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes and stuff, and you know you've got people like Brian Danielson and CM Punk helping along backstage. It's it's good company to be around, and it just got a bit stronger, I think. So yeah, Regal stuff. as well. Regal, yeah. of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. literally, I mean, like ninety percent of the company, right? It's crazy. Um, yeah. So after that, 
we 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 get a vignette for Lucha Brothers versus uh, Andrade and Roosh, which has finally been booked. Tony yes. has been trying to put this together for weeks, it seems, uh, but various people just, you know, pick up knocks. Andrade had the, the ankle problem. Uh, I mean, that that's going to be ridiculous on Dynamite, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's going to be nuts. I, I think it's going to be one of those matches where lots of people are going to be blown away and there will be a portion who are just like, what is this? This is horrible. This isn't wrestling. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it, it's going to completely uh, split the, the, the fan base, I think. But I'm looking forward to it. I mean, just, uh, yeah, yeah, this style sometimes isn't for everybody, but it's very much for me, especially when it involves these talents because they're guys who know how to work that style and make it still keep you on the edge of your seat and not questioning logic. There's, they're four extremely fantastic professional wrestlers, and this is just going to be, uh, it's going to be nuts, uh, and I'm totally here for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh Andrade in particular, he's been hitting people really hard lately, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, yes. Can't wait. And I'm yeah. a big Roosh guy as well. I think like, you know, when when he came in, you know, he had the match with Penta, which not great, not great. Um, but he's since had a couple of absolute rippers with uh, with Dragon Lee, uh, and then again the other week with Moxley. So that should be very satisfying indeed. Um, so proceeded, of course, by. The Mark Henry, but I don't have the buttons, guys. I'm really sorry. I can't push the Mark Henry button, but you know the <laughs> drill. You know the drill. Looks like there's been enough talk. Um, we don't need to recap that. It's it's fun every week. Um, but we had Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee versus Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Street fight, tag team titles set up when Josh Woods laid out Keith Lee backstage during a handicap match between Swerve and uh, Mark Sterling uh, and, and Tony, obviously, from Dynamite. Um, yeah, this was this was nuts. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a combination of weapon stuff, uh, outside interference stuff, because Mark Sterling is always going to be annoying in all the right ways. I, I'm, I'm a real, I can see why his kind of sports entertainment stylings annoy people in different ways, but I'm into it. I'm into the act. Um, you had some stuff with the protein powder getting thrown in people's faces, which is very amusing indeed. <laughs> um, but then also you just had some crazy ass pro wrestling. You had the kind of Kenny Omega Tomohiro Ishii teases of the German suplex to the outside, leading to Keith Lee going through that table as a result of that German suplex from Josh Woods, holding on for dear life until he ate the frost kick from Tony Nese. These two guys worked together extremely well, I think, for two guys who are working. Was this their first tag team match together? It must have I believe been, right? so. Unless there's, yeah, unless there's one on Dark or Dark Elevation that I missed, I think this is yeah. definitely their first main TV match. And it was when the pair and Kate came together, I think I put out a tweet about it. It was like, I just, I, I was really excited about seeing these two guys together. Big Josh Woods, Mark. Tully Nice is such a great worker. It's like, yeah. right, well, these two can, this potentially could be great. Stick Mark still in the act as well. And it's like, oh, I, I, I very much like this. And I, I think one line that I really like when you talk about the proton, protein powder and, uh, on commentary, it's like, JR, have you ever had any protein powder? And his answer was, I had some fried chicken last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's his protein. He's like, yes, I'm here for that diet myself. <laughs> uh, there was the, the nut spot where it was swerved through at Nice, like a, a toolbox, which obviously missed his head and smashed on, on the steps outside. Like you said, there was the big the big suplex, uh, t- big Keith going through two tables, Woods going with him. Uh, and I just, I love the, 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 you talk about the Mark Henry uh, hit beforehand. And I thought that was great. I thought the the, the words from Swerve and from Big Keith were great, but the, the reaction, the facial responses and reactions from from Big Josh Woods were, and and obviously it sells it the visual with the unique mouth guard that he has. It's like 
He's the guy's just like weighing them up, like, yeah, I'm going to eat you alive. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how well you talk. I, oh, I love it. I'm, I'm just, I'm here for Josh Woods on national television, whether it's for the long time or the short time, and maybe he goes up to our age. Who knows? But yeah, I'll, I'll take this pairing all day long. And the match itself was, it, it, it was good for what it, what it needed to be. Um, I think realistically, we, we thought that the, the newer team, uh, Josh Woods and, and Tully Neese, were never going to get the win. But there were moments where, they made you kind of start to doubt that a little bit. And, and it was, they gave him that big spot with Keith Lee taking him out of the equation. So that's something there. Tony needs to the pinfall. Swerve looked impressive as all hell again. Breaking up a, a pinfall attempt with a 450 off the top rope. At one point, it's just like, the guy is so good. Yeah, and it's, the him and him and Keith have been really, really fun together. I think um, mm. when they came together, it was kind of like, you know, every every tag team has the genesis of you spend a few weeks and you go, hey, this thing seems thrown together. Are they just together to split, which appeared to be the direction because they were bickering and Swerve was swerving people, the clues in the name, um, in battle royals and whatnot. But they kind of subverted that that kind of tired storytelling trope of of the, 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 the throw them together and then split them up straight away. Now they're firmly together and they're a really fun tandem um who have immediate like i mean both of them showed their value to the company as soon as they came in this is why you sign these guys um yeah swerve picking up the victory with a swerve stomp from the top on tony nice as you've said uh and like big josh woods fan myself as well he's got a legitimate vibe to him i like the little shooter boots and the lack of the lack of uh, knee pads and stuff it just gives him a bit of a different look um which is essential when you are like guy with beard number 70 on this roster you kind of need to and he's been you know there's this looking ring of honor before as well i like it i think he's got a great look um and tony like there was a degree of cynicism when aew signed tony and i I understood it to a degree because it was kind of like okay yeah he's a great worker i don't think many people would dispute that whatsoever but AEW is a talker's company he's never been a particularly great talker throughout his business and also you know it's just kind of like another guy who maybe isn't headlining a pay-per-view six months from now or whatever but for me you build tiers in a in a wrestling promotion you have these 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 guys who are on the mid card and are going to look very very good no matter what they do you could put tony nice in the ring with a microphone uh and ask him to fight it not even speak into it and he would give you three and a half stars minimum he's a very 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 good pro wrestler with tremendous abs of course we should point out as well um (laughs) But he's really shown his value. He's great at playing this yeah. losing role. And this is why you sign him, man. You need good mid-carders. You need jobbers to the stars who yeah. put yeah, over yeah, the yeah. guys you're pushing at the time. And uh, I'm a Tony Nese guy. I think that he has done a great job of dispelling that 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 cynicism, which I always thought was a little off base because not everyone needs to headline your pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree 100%. You need those tears. You need a Ryan Nemeth to come in and lose in two minutes. You you need a Tully Nese to, to be mildly credible to your tag team champions, but ultimately lose, but look great doing it and make them look great doing it. And that's where I come back to what I, I mentioned at the very beginning of the pod. There was one self tick that I love, and it was him taking the stomp from Swerve. The way on the replay, you see his neck bend and his body flip. It was just like, oh, it, it was, that I was, uh, yeah, big tick for me. It's a golden up for me on that one, if, if we're going the middle hey. of it. Uh, yeah. I, I loved it, yeah. There we go. Glowing reviews across the board for that main event. To cap what was a typically fast-moving and uh, fun, uh, you know, on the rampage scale of things, I'm going to say this was a good episode. Um, sometimes you have, 
you know, these shows where you look at the card beforehand and you go, oh my goodness, you're not really doing much to expand your, your, your lacking viewership in that awful time slot here, boys. But we'll see what this looks like when the numbers come through. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Um, and after Rampage, it was on to Battle of the Belts, which was, of course, taped on the same evening. This was in were we in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I believe. I believe so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that Rob Van Damme's hometown, or have I made that up? Uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, that is. Battle Creek, of course. There we go. Obviously, it sounds like a totally made-up place, but I believe it's very real. <laughs> Somewhere between Parts Unknown and Dudleyville, of course. Uh, yes. Sorry to any listeners from Battle Creek, Michigan, who may be here, but shout to Rob Van Damme. He's in pro wrestling Noah at the moment. Who saw that coming? Weird. Yes. Uh, good for him, living his best life. Anyway, uh, Battle of the Belts and... It's quite appropriate that we've gone from one guy who's effective in these heel losing roles to kind of talking about another in Jay Lethal, who faced Wardlow in the opener for Battle of the Belts in a match that I think was a very good indication of what this Wardlow TNT title reign is going to be. And that's not something like the Cody reign where it was like a guaranteed really good match every single week or anything like that. It's going to be Wardlow looking dominant as hell, getting that Batista push, getting matches that aren't going to score traditionally highly. If you, if you're, uh, you know, grading it from a work rate perspective or a modern star rating standard as nebulous as those criteria can be, um, it's going to be about showing that this guy, no matter what you throw at him, is the baddest dude in the company and you're not going to be able to put him down unless uh, it's after the bell. There's three of you and one of you is seven foot three. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I'll just run you through some of the stuff here. This was all about Lethal and his extended crew throwing everything they had at this just brute of a man, uh, this gigantic human being. It was a distraction from Sanjay Dutt. I love Sanjay Dutt. Straight away, uh, this allowed him to, this allowed Jay to attack him from behind. 
Wardlow popped right up from a suplex because he's impervious to pain. Uh, booted lethal, sent him flying, back body drop, boom, boom, boom. Some more distractions with Sanjay Jutt and Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh. Um, these are going to be the layouts of those matches with this crew. But we ran through it. Most of this was Jay Lethal throwing a lot of moves at Wardlow. Shoutouts to Craig from Pro Wrestling Musings for putting his usual stat sheet together. This was totally one-sided in terms of volume. But the thing is, Wardlow has got these one killer shots that he can just put you down with. Uh, and put him down, he did. You know, he was he was going for the symphony a couple of times here, but lethal crafty veteran that he is countered out of them in some creative ways. Uh, Wardlow eventually cuts him off with the headbutt. The it's similar to what Keith Lee is doing with that headbutt, throwing his full body behind, landing nice and safely on the shoulder or, or the padded area. But that's the that's the magic of pro wrestling, isn't it? Making things look brutal. Uh, Wardlow cut him off with the headbutt, leveled him with a wind-up lariat that Lethal sold incredibly. He flipped out of his boots for that one. Um, then he hit the single power bomb for the win. So it looks like they're trying to preserve the symphony a little bit with these single power bomb wins. And then immediately after, you got the beat down. The beat down went on for a few minutes. Uh, Satnam Singh had his boot pressed into Wardlow's chest. Jay Lethal put on the figure four. Wardlow fought his way back. You know, he pushing the boot up and all of that stuff. Um, gave Satnam Singh a low blow. Went for what would have been the biggest power bomb of all time, uh, perhaps on Satnam Singh, but Lethal cut him off. Uh, they set him up on the table. Singh ended up choke slamming Wardlow through it. So capital T, capital F, capital C, the feud must continue, TM. Here we are. What did you think of this whole big to-do, my friend? I, th- I thought it was, it was fun for what it needed to be. It was like you talking, putting plentiful praise on Jay Lethal. I mean, that guy's so good. If, 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 and again, people might be new to Jay who've not seen him before. Um, he's just been a phenomenal professional wrestler for the last 20 years, whatever, where it was in Impact, where it was in, in Ring of Honor, where he's very much the MVP of Ring of Honor for, for years. Uh, and the guy's just a really good pro wrestler. Even in Ric Flair's last match, is awful as that was to watch. Jay Lethal was great in it. And Jeff Jarrett as well. Props to the chosen one. Double J. Slap nuts. Uh, and Andrade as well. Everybody's really good in that, apart from Rick Flair. But enough of that. Uh, Jay Lethal, yeah, he's great. And he's, he was great in this role as the undersized heel who was trying every trick he could to, to get the advantage over the big, strong boy powerhouse uh, that is the war dog. And then, again, clearly this is, like you said, this is going to be continuing. And the end game here is is clearly it is going to be that powerbomb on Satnam Singh at some point. We are going to see it. And that is a sight that I'm very much looking forward to see. Um, but I, I thought if you didn't watch this show and you just saw the pictures coming out of it, there would have been a mass confusion because the, the main image go around was Jay Lethal standing tall with the TNT title. It would have been that like, no, but they didn't do that. <laughs> that was just the post-match shenanigans. But yeah, this, this is something it needs to be. And, th- and probably them some. Like you said, these matches... If you're going to be doing the whole star rating, they're never going to be five star matches, but they're exactly what you need to be. And I think you, you nailed it when you say that, yeah, Jay Leaf could throw 10, 15, 20 strikes and moves at Wardlow, but it's just then that one big explosive move that just stops the whole match, puts Leaf on his backside. And, and that's what Wardlow's excelled at in, in his run. And, and this, it just, you look at the trajectory of the guy, and it's like they've handled him so well when he's been on TV. There was a spell where it's like, I'm really looking forward to seeing Wardlow this week. Oh, he's not on TV. Okay. Oh, but next, oh, he's not on TV. But they look to have steered that ship. They look to have taken him away from best friends as well. Um, and yeah, this 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 is cool. This is fine by me. I very much enjoyed it. 
yeah, I'm I'm on the exact same boat when it comes to Wardlow. I think uh, it's it's just it's it's timeless pro wrestling booking. Guy wins and looks dominant, dominant, and he gets over. <laughs> like it's not that complex uh, a lot yeah. of the time. And uh, yeah, for me, there's no need for him to be going in there and having these back and forth 15 minutes every week or whatever. He's not Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes was the you know the grandson of a plumber, the working guy, the hard working grafting dude, despite his obvious legacy in pro wrestling, uh, continuing carrying the flag of his father and obviously his brother as well uh wardlow's a different beast he's a beast that's the the key yeah. takeaway and i think they've pushed him really well um before we move on i'm i'm really interested in your thoughts on on satnam singh right because he had the, the the debut segment wasn't wasn't it i think that you know when you're doing the the lights out reveal it's got to be somebody that the people know straight away yeah. but I really, i'm a sucker for a big gigantic human being who can't really do all that much but can do more than you expect. And in his squash matches yeah. so far, we've seen the, the cross bodies. He does the spinning razor's edge. I'm having a lot of fun with this guy, man. I'm not convinced that he's going to be great, but I tell you what, I'm more excited to watch him than Omas in WWE. How do you feel about him so far? Uh, I think that's that's a really good comparison to make because him and Omas are very much in that that same boat of the, the oversized giants who just are there to dominate while they're not necessarily going to be great workers. But I, I think, yeah, Sam Singh seems at this point in the game very much ahead of the in-ring game of Omos. And, yeah, he's not as bad as you first think. I think, like you said, everybody, he got off on just such a negative foot yeah. at that, that first step when there was that big reveal. And it was, I mean, AEW's had a few ropey reveals over, over the years, and I think this probably was might have been the biggest one. I mean, there was probably that or maybe the, the, the initial Dark Order where it's like, who are all these gimps? Well, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the Satnam Singh, the way it was built up, and it's like, I don't know who this guy is. Who, who, like, even as a big wrestler, it's like, I, I, nope, I've got nothing. Uh, so he was off to like a bum start straight away. But from what I've seen, he, he's, there's, there, there could be something there. And the way he carries himself, and, and he's that rare giant where he's, he's in beast condition as well. He's like, he's not just tall, he's not just tall and oversized, he's tall and he's like put together. Um, where it's like he's he's proportionate for his size, where he's just like he's built like a tank. It, and, and yeah, I, I'm interested to see why. I, I don't I don't know. I can't see major things, but I I can see better than I expected from that that first like I said that those first few weeks where you immediately soured on him because it's just like well, that was naff. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they they have an uphill battle with booking him in that wrestling fans now we're. We're, we, most of us have moved on from the, the big lumbering stiff being like a credible thing. I mean, years of just useless lumps in other companies have conditioned us that way. So, you know, if they're going to get him over the classic way, um, like the Giants of the past, it's going to be a tough ask. But for mm. me, the guy's applying himself really well. Like, he's just fun. He's just a fun spectacle. And I like something different. Oh, my, like, we're... We, me and you are of the same era. We're turn of the a decade, 80s, 90s guys coming through. We're always going to appreciate stuff like this. I'm really interested to see how more modern audiences, maybe people who watch AEW primarily because they, they started watching because of uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega yeah. uh, and like more cutting edge workers. It's going to be a fascinating story to follow. He might be awful. Who knows? We'll find out. But I'm rooting for him to be good and at least fun. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of 
fun uh, in a completely different way uh, in terms of let's hit each other really freaking hard, um, which is what this storyline has been so far. Um, yeah. And it's kind of similar to the Satnam Singh situation in that it comes from kind of cynical beginnings. The thunderstorm coming together always felt a little bit uh, undercooked for me, a little bit just like, okay, we respect each other. So now suddenly we're a tag team because conveniently these two heels hate each other. Uh, uh, these two heels both hate us and all of that stuff. But we're here now. That's neither here nor there. And we had the women's title match here. Fonderosa between versus Jamie Hayter. Fonderosa successfully retaining the AEW Women's World Title after uh, taking Britt Baker out with a DDT, uh, which allowed her to cradle Hayter with a Casadora for the win. This was typical of every interaction these people, this kind of extended group involving Tony Storm and Britt Baker, have had in the ring recently. In that, you know, it's not going to be the most incredibly laid out match you've ever seen. It's not going to be this technical excellence, whatever, whatever they are brother. They are starching each other. Um, I, I don't know if they shoot hate each other in real life, but if you sat down and showed me the tag team match from Wednesday and then this in a row, I would certainly believe that, which is to their credit as workers. But unfortunately, Jamie Hayter coming out of this and it's no great surprise. Uh, she's, suffered a broken nose in this match, this match, which he never hoped to see. Um, but it's pro wrestling stuff like this does happen. Hope she's back soon enough because I think she's absolutely great. Um, yeah, kind of typical of that. There was a lot of big bombs dropped here. Hater hits like an absolute truck. She always has, but she's also a really good bumper for people as well. I mean, that was really established yeah. in her first physical appearance, really, when she took that, that was it Riho who jumped onto her from the top rope and she just flew backwards. Um, but yeah. in this match, Lots of great stuff. Lots of bombs. Thunderosa. She'll throw them out, but she can take them as well. Um, yeah, I mean, not the cleanest match you're ever going to see in your life, but, you know, as kind of an intense, you know, heated match between two people who you're supposed to believe don't like each other in storyline, good stuff. I love the sandbag t-shirt that the, they're rolling with now as well. You know, taking that situation and twisting it. What do you think of this, man? You know, not... Again, not necessarily something that's going to sit there on your, your little spreadsheet with your four and a half stars next to it, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, scrappy is the word that comes to mind. It was, like you said, it's not going to be, these aren't flawlessly executed moves, but because they're not, they look more real. And like you said, you can buy into like, these people might really hate each other. Now, as they are both friends of the channel, I've spoken to them both, they're both lovely ladies, but I'm buying into the fact that maybe they're really lovely, but they do really hate each other. That's the one that they hate. And Rose obviously hates the bit breaker as well, just because. But um, yeah, this this was fun. It was just especially building off what we saw in Dynamite with the tag match. And man, those Thunder Rose are those low drop kicks she does. It's just like there was one she did in this match to to hate her to the the outside where he was on, on the, the bottom rope and she just kind of went through her to take her to the outside. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. Thunder Rose is always that just that fiery undersized baby face who hits as hard as she can with everything that is in that small frame. And then you've got Jamie Hayter who will just, it, it, she's just like a truck in comparison where it's just, and she doesn't hold anything back either. And like you said, these two hit hard. They both are happy to be hit hard. And I'm, I'm totally there for that one. It's yeah. I'd rather see something like this than some sort of traditional five-star classic where every move is, is choreographed to perfection. And, and you, there's, there's no deal. I'd, I'd rather see there was a point towards the end uh, taking into the finish in the match where they were ex exchanging strikes and some of the match, some of the strikes weren't fully connected. But as the commentary team was saying, it's like they're just 
grazing each other because the energy is not there. It's like, and it looks like it would do in a real fight. It's yeah. I'm, I love it. I'd love to see more from these two. Um, echoing your uh, sentiments there. I hope Jamie Hayter's not out for a long time. And if she is unable to compete for a while, at least I hope she's still on TV because she's more than just an in-ring worker. She's, she steals every moment she's in, whether it's in the ring, whether it's backstage, whether it's just at ringside supporting Britt Baker, that, that she has the best sass faces in, in modern day pro wrestling. I think it's just, so much fun to watch and rose is always great and and clearly there's lots more to come between thunder or thunderstorm for baker uh jamie hater probably rebel being there again at some point so yeah and I, i'm here for it it's just it's always snug and uh snug and fun which is my sort of wrestling yeah i'm right there with you uh very similar tastes it seems as we've learned over the course of this podcast um <laughs> yeah. it's good good solid tv defense with 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 a great deal of intensity and i think um obviously we're all big thunder rosa fans on this on this channel uh I, I love her work i've loved her work from the moment i first was introduced to her which you know lucha underground aside under the thunder rosa guys would have been the nwa um which is which is so recent that it almost makes me feel like i was behind the times but you know here we are um she's great and i think jamie hater is really well positioned to eventually become like an ace in this division really i don't think there's anything she can't do so that you know she worked quite extensively in japan before this so she's got that styling to her um she can hit it back she's got the fighting spirit within her she can take those shots as well there's nothing she can't do the personality's there i remember her initial appearances in AEW in 2019 where she was doing guest slots and she was opposite Britt Baker who was a baby face at that yeah. at the time and she's the the world is at her feet basically she's she's sensational and uh good sign for the future of this division in general you know booking is always going to be a question when old TK's got the pencil baby but we'll see what yeah. the future holds um world title time ring of honor world title Claudio Castagnoli really sucked yeah, yeah, this was this was absolute it. pish. Um, probably one of the worst major league pro wrestling matches of no. the year. I would put it up there yeah, with what? the fiend. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, why why did Claudio leave? I mean, he he could be there in WWE now, sports entertaining, doing Robin doing this. Yeah, why why do you leave that world behind, pish. man? It's just so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but. We had Caprice Coleman coming out on commentary. I want to give, before we dive into this, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Caprice Coleman. Right. Ian Riccoboni rightly has come in for a lot of praise recently. A lot of people have been introduced to his work for the first time through the Ring of Honor AEW whole deal. And uh, rightly so. I think Ian is tremendous. I, he has such a great way of running through the play-by-play -play without making it sound dull, but making it feel like a contest in a sport. He's the most sportscaster-y kind of broadcaster for me, and he never steals attention away from anything. He's never over the top. Um, Caprice is... For he's not getting that same level of praise at the moment. He's getting some. And I mean, that's a bit of a shame because as the other guy on commentary, as the guy who's there to spike excitement at certain levels and get amped up when he's supposed to be, but without going over the top, like, like same as Riccoboni, yeah. he did a great job of really enhancing a match I was already extremely invested in. There was one particular late fall and near fall later on in the match in particular, where he was like, you could feel that he was like lifting out of his seat in excitement. And he was buzzing and it was reflective of your experiences of yours. So more Caprice Coleman, more Ian Riccoboni. I know AEW yeah. has a million announcers, but these guys are, are really, really freaking great. So yeah. shout out to Caprice. Yeah. He did a good job. I, I echo those sentiments again, completely 100%. Uh, I, yeah, Riccoboni always reminds me a little bit of of Jim Ross in the early well the early 90s in WCW where 
when it was just he he just let the action talk when it needed to. He never got he got excited, but he didn't get too excited, and he always kept a steady head. And and at that point, you'd have like Jesse Ventura next to him, who would be he'd be all the spice and the sizzle, uh, the excitement. And uh, yeah, Rickabani and Chris Coleman, they're just so good. I, I feel really bad for them that a large part of their run was when Rick together as a team on weekly TV was when Ring of Honor was just completely behind closed doors. When they, they, they started up, well, they started doing those shows during the pandemic where they, they brought back the pure title. They had that tournament, which is brilliant. That's where you get to see someone like Josh Woods, Gresham, those guys tearing it up, Hot Sauce as well. Uh, David Finley, it was just a, and then you get introduced, that's when I got introduced to Wheeler Utah and they do video packages and that's all nicely narrated. Uh, Fred Yehi was another name that came to me at that point. Uh, the Savage Weight. All these people coming in and the, the commentary was just so good for that style of wrestling, for the, the uniqueness of the pure rules. And because that is a style that you very much let just play out and, and let talk talk for itself because of the uniqueness of it. Um, and just that that team is so great and you just wish they, they could have had a few more bigger shows. And yeah, it's like what, whatever you can do, Tony Khan, like sign them for something. Like obviously, clearly Ring of Honor is the, the elephant in the room as and when there's some more ROH weekly television. But yeah, just as a two, they're great. And I agree with you. I think Rick Barney gets a lot of love. Caprice does get some love, but they're they're both on level begging for me as two of the absolute best in the game and and possibly my favourite pairing as a two. But that's now. And then there's Pat McAfee, who just makes Michael Cole look great. And Michael Cole looks and Pat McAfee look great. But that's a that's a... A topic for another day, because we're here to talk about some, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a word to say this without getting censored, um, just, a, just a nice nice, nice slap fest, we'll go with that. Yeah, this was this was someone else, so it's uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Konosuke Takeshita in what might be Takeshita's last AEW match before he goes back to Japan uh, for a while, maybe he'll be back, I hope so, because he's really left an impression on people, I think, who are maybe watching him for the first time uh, in AEW, I'm a DDT dork, so I was very excited about him coming over here in the first place, and it's really good to see him gaining traction and breaking out and earning fans and all of that good stuff. I need more than I mean, what a match this was. Gee whiz, this was incredible. Um, lots of great stuff across the board here. I thought they did a tremendous job of matching both their incredible physical gifts because Claudio is just this gigantic brute of a man, and he's been emphasizing the power aspect of his game in AEW so far, and he he wrestles like a video game character. He's capable of these feats that he should not be able to pull off, even as he's like, you know, he's been in the game like 20-odd years and stuff. He can still spring off the ropes with the with the uppercuts and everything. He's great, he's great. And Takeshita himself is a really explosive athlete too, so they meshed extremely well in that regard. And I appreciated the way they started this one off because, you know, Claudio comes out of the gates in AEW, the bell rings and he runs at you. And usually as we, you know, like Zach was almost blown away straight away in their match. And, but it shows that Takeshi has been watching those tapes because he weathered that early storm. And what that did was it forced Claudio to have that technical kind of match that, that he is maybe coming not for criticism, but just an observation. You know, he was presented as the best technical wrestler in the world at Forbidden Door. Kind of was the power guy against Zach, which I thought was really awesome. But here we are, and they're working holds, brother. Um, they're they're trading for parity. They're getting tight, close in each other's face. They're not really leaving each other's grasp. They're doing a very traditional pro wrestling thing of just trying to find 
gaps in each other's holds and the little tiny nuances that they can exploit to gain the upper hand without necessarily spreading far apart and jumping and leaping all over the place so that when they do start doing that stuff and then about five minutes in there's this incredible spot where they reverse their way out of each other and claudio lands on his feet and they go into the stalemate um wilborn's a lot better at play by play than i am i'm sorry guys but it, it, <laughs> no no it, no it does unravel uh, into the bomb fest that you're kind of expecting. There's just some incredible counters. I mean, there's one moment here where Takeshita goes for the knee and Claudio somehow, believably, catches him, puts him on his shoulders and drives him straight down into the mat, which is a testament not only to, to, to Keshta's leap, because Claudio's a big guy at like 6'5 or whatever, but Claudio's strength as well, because Takeshita's not a small dude. Um... And they have all these 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 great moments. I won't run through them all individually, but you have Ricola bombs, you have attempted Cinnabombs. I love that he has taken his affinity for Cinnabon and turn it into a move name. What a guy. How can you not love this bloke? Um, Takeshita towards the end goes for another running knee. He goes for several of them in the match, which is good that they established it on Dark Elevation, as we mentioned. Uh, Claudio plucked him up. Death Valley Driver, that's the spot I'm talking about. Uh, he then landed a lariat. We got the traditional Blackpool Combat Club hammer and anvil elbows leading to the Ricola bomb for the finish. He got his, you know, his rebound springy uppercut gimmick off the ropes yep. and all the good stuff in there. Man, I was enthralled by this. I will say there was one spot the 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 um the that was sold as a DDT off the top rope into the turnbuckle and then there was a frog splash that didn't really connect at one point that did judder me a little bit, but that would be a nitpicking in a match that I thought was absolutely fantastic and up there with the best TV matches of the year for me. How do you feel about it? I, like, I, I, my notes here, uh, it is like we're, we're the same image. <laughs> the, the next part we do, I'm just going to be everything you say is like, man, you're talking, <laughs> you're talking crap, you're rubbish. No, everything. Um, no, um, it was my, my notes here were, were TV match of the year, possibly. It's in that contention. It could easily have been on pay per view. Um, I mean, going into it, it's like, obviously, we knew it was going to be a banger, but part of my head's thinking, because I'm that person where it's like, how's he really earned this title shot? But they just the match was. Awesome, and like you kind of talked about the opening of the match, it was it, it. Claudio was forced to go back to those technical rooms, and it felt like every every slight inch moved, every slight inch mattered, every move mattered, every ounce of energy spent was all about just getting a slight advantage on your opponent in whatever hold you were in. And it, yeah, then it did get to the all right. Now we're just gonna now we're slapping as well. It's yeah, it was it's brilliant. And that facial sequence the the ridiculous, I like, well, too fair, like you said, to, to catch the credit for the leap, but the, the ridiculous strength of Claudio to, to catch somebody midair into a, a Death Valley driver. Um, just, yeah. Um, and if this is the last we've seen of Takeshita on US soil for, for the foreseeable, it's like, what a way to go out. This this is a match that, while we talk about like some of the matches previously, the, the Jimmy Heath on the Rosa match, when it comes to the, the match of the year tallies and the spreadsheets, that's probably not going to be on it. This is going to be in that conversation. It's, it's, it, it just it was it was great professional wrestling to watch it was just it was snug it was it, it took you on that ride and like you said the commentary added so much to it it's it's just yeah, yeah it was it's it's just if you if you're only gonna go and watch one thing from this last past week of wrestling and you've got 20 minutes to spare this is it no questions asked it was it was just it was it was absolutely brilliant yeah it's uh the the spot in question that i particularly when i kind of it clicked for me that Reese coleman was just doing a world-class job was it's uh, 
reversing a Ricola bomb into a Hurricane Rana for this just breathless near fall and Caprice sounds like he's about to explode. It's just, it's really, really good stuff. Um, I think when a commentator regulates their energy and their excitement and peaks at the right levels with the match, that's that's something else. He does a great job. But yeah, I mean, this is the kind of match that it kind of makes me glad. You know, there's a lot, there are problems with the AEW product. I talk about, I talk about them weekly in my, in my column on the website, um, the ups and downs, the written version of that. Uh, and when when we're on the podcast as well, whenever relevant, I'll I'll talk about them. You know, rushing through moments or having the odd match yeah. that's you know a little sloppy or stylistically not quite my bag or whatever. And we could talk about it and we can have a breakdown. But for me, the big strength of this company and the reason I'm so glad it exists really is because we get matches like this, which is just a different style to what you would see uh, in another ma- mainstream American wrestling company. Now that. Doesn't I'm not diving into the WWE culture war here. I've no I've no interest in tribal nonsense. So get that out of here straight away. But it's a different style. You know the matches on WWE television are agented. Maybe not as much now that the Triple H is coming in or whatever. But the, the house style is different. It's it's a bit more big theater. It's a bit more box office. It's a bit more glitzy and glamorous. Here you can have ten minutes of guys just working holds to start and these intricate moments of battle that you're kind of rewarded for paying attention. And on top of that, it's not just that. It's the fact that. Claudio's here and he's obviously great and everyone knows he's great as well. But oh look look at this bloke. It's it's the best wrestler in DDT who you might not have known before and he doesn't necessarily work here but he's on a loan for a few months and we're going to showcase him in a really cool spotlight and what we're going to do is you know he's probably going to lose his big matches or whatever but he's going to be allowed to get over in doing so. So yeah, this was one of those matches to me where you know I Sometimes when you're in this job in particular, as I'm sure you can relate, Mr. Pollard, it's easy to get a bit jaded. It's easy to get a bit, oh, crap, I've watched 15 hours of TV this week. What the hell? Um, But then you have a match like this. And uh, like, uh, for balance's sake, an episode of Raw, like last week as well, where you go, okay, this is, this is, I'm back. I'm out of the funk. It's cleared. But yeah, I mean, for me, just to close this battle of the belts, the format so far, uh, maybe not what we expected, not quite the clash of the champions thing. We thought we were going to get initially when this thing was launched for me, hour long format, I would maybe look at something else, but uh, this was the best so far for me. And I think largely down to this match, but the supporting, you know, the supporting matches were good as well. what do you think? Yeah. I'm, I, again, not to sound like a broken record that totally agree with that. It's <laughs> easily, handily the, better, the best battle of the belt show we've had. Um, it is a, a, a concept, a special. I know, obviously, AEW are tied to these what, quarterly specials. Um, it's a concept that, like you said, we all thought maybe this was going to be Clash of the Champions. It's not quite been that, but it, this was, it was just fun. Uh, and like you say, when, like, we, like, every day we're watching professional wrestling. And some of those days are long days, brother, where it's especially the dark days of those three hour rows where there's like 10 minutes worth of content that you like. <laughs> it's like, right, okay. Yeah. And so it is, it's stuff like this where you're watching it and it's like, wow. Cause I, obviously, I was uh, doing the, the news yesterday. Because as as the, the the job that has to work Sundays, it was uh, uh, yeah. But, but this bright in my morning, it was I, I was I had the the battle of the belts on first thing, and then loved that main event. And then within about ten minutes, found myself going back to rewatch the main event again, just because it was like, oh man, that's that's great. And you touched like there the the job they've done in presenting Takeshita, even though he's lost those big matches, it's still he's going what 10, 12 minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever with John Moxley having back and forth where, yeah, he lost. We all knew he was going to lose. But it's like, 
there's something in that kid. And the way that the, I think the commentary, I think Jim Ross has been great for Takeshita. Mm-hmm. I know JR's had a lot of uh, grief uh, from, from certain sections of the audience, but obviously you've got Excalibur putting him over big time. You've got Taz putting him over big time, Shivani. But I, I think with JR, he's just, I don't know, he seems to have brought an extra level of, I don't know, authenticity, I think, to Takeshita, where when you've got somebody with the stature, the status, the voice of Jim Ross, who is, because JR could be a bit grumpy at times in AEW mm-hmm. commentary. And he, you can tell when he doesn't like something. And the fact that the way he talks about Takeshi, it's like this legend of the game really sees something in this kid, as we all do. It's the guy is just, I don't know, the sky really is the limit for Takeshi. Where, wherever he wants to go, I, I just, if he's going to stay, remain in Japan, if he's going to fleetly come back to the US, if he's going to make a permanent move at some point to the US for a couple of years and, and have a crack at it, like just the sky is the limit with this guy. It's just as a, a specimen, as an athlete, as a worker. Uh, his striking game, his technical game, just his his uh, I guess his physical charisma in in the ring. It's like yeah, I I can't say enough good things about him, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again ASAP whenever we can. And, and yeah, this Battle of the Belts was it was a, if it, if this is his swan song, it is the absolute perfect swan song. And from what you touched on before, it also not recalibrate recalibrates. It's easy for me to say, uh, Claudio, but it, it shows you that like. This guy is still a technical beast when he needs to be. It's like, yeah, okay, he's he's he has been just naturally because he's a, he's a larger athlete compared to a lot of the guys in the company in AEW. So he's he has shown that power game uh, and against that Sabre Junior. But this was just a, a reiterating of like, no, 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 this he's still got those technical beats. And if you're relaunching Ring of Honor and the history, the style that's associated with Ring of Honor, this is absolutely one hundred percent you guy. Oh, goosebumps! Got a lot yeah. of value casting nearly. <laughs> Tremendous, all time great, you know in-ring guy of this era, married with the Blackpool Combat Club and that whole act, which has been so complimentary to everyone who comes into its orbit. Uh, great to see him shining. You know, I thought he had a great WWE run. Um, could he have been a bigger singles deal? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I subscribe to the argument that he could have done more singles. But when you look at his body of work and you, you as a whole, it is quite impressive stuff. But th- this is a different level now. This is an area where he doesn't need to read a script that's been handed to him. It's a different way of, 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 of doing essentially the same sport. But we're out of time for this one. Thank you so much for joining us, persevering through this double review show. We have a... Uh, Done our best to fill the gaping Wilborn and Dadly shaped void in your life. And I hope you'll join us later today for the SmackDown review and as well the Raw preview. But uh, yeah, you can keep up with our feed on whatever app you use. Spotify, Apple. I'm not down with the kids. I don't know the other ones. I'm a Spotify guy. I need one <laughs> app. I need ever figured the same place because, you yeah. know, when you when you hit your mid-30s, man, like it's not you know this old age or whatever but you, convenience is king uh you can find us everywhere basically also you can follow us on twitter at what culture wwe where you can also find andrew pollard at at culture left peg of course you can find me at andy h murray the h stands for hey wish us luck goodbye see you later <laughs> hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 